It is Thursday, August 4th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night two of the third annual Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Schaap. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us tonight is Mike Shope. Mike, you were in draft one last night. How do you feel like you did in yours? I was terrified until Jared said I did well. <laughs> well it doesn't mean anything, but... <laughs> it means a little bit. It means he was less um, terrified, at least. No, I thought, uh, in short, I thought it was good for me that there seemed to be value picking last and i feel like the middle is where you sort of take the value and you take what it gives you and and on the end you have to force things but i never felt like that last night so i was happy this format should leave you feeling at least somewhat uncomfortable at the end i think that's kind of the point of it is if if many drafters came out of the draft like that was an awesome draft i have no holes on my team then we're probably not doing it right this draft already is the one i expected last night yeah. No running backs. This this looks like a super flex draft. This yeah, looks so like what... a, a draft where maybe people looked at the rules first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we of course talked to Pat Fitzmorris last night uh, after the first draft of the Draft Sharks Invitational. We'll get to the format in a minute, but let's talk about the first round picks since we just jumped in right after the board had gotten going. We did get Josh Allen as the first pick with Christian McCaffrey as a second, Justin Jefferson, and then Lamar Jackson. And I guess before we get further with those, we should tell people who the drafters are tonight because we did not intro that group yet. And it is certainly a group of notables on that front, like all of these leagues are. So drafting first and taking Josh Allen at the top of tonight's draft is Mike Leone of Establish the Run. He is at Two Hats, one Mike on Twitter. Number two is Danny Kelly of The Ringer. He is at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. Jules McLean is number three. She is at Red Rider on Twitter. She is an NFFC Hall of Famer. She's won more than $250,000 on there. She joined us last year during her league's draft. So we'll see if she jumps into the room tonight to talk to us about her strategy. Number four in tonight's order is Ben Gretsch. He's got his own Stealing Signals substack. He's on multiple podcasts with various partners. So he's kind of the escort of the fantasy industry at Yards for Gretsch on Twitter. Joey Brown, number five, a loyal Draft Shark subscriber and a many-time league champ across formats on the NFFC platform. So an experienced high-stakes player. He is at 12 underscore Brown on Twitter. Number six is a guy that we all know a little bit, Adam Krautwurst. He is some guy from Rochester's, played some high-stakes stuff, finished fifth overall in the FFPC main event a couple of years ago. And Mike, of course, your co-host on the deep end. How do you think he's going to fare tonight? Uh, he is good always. I mean, it's a super tough room. It's what he and you guys wanted when you built this thing. So it's never a given, but uh, I trust Adam. If I had to give all my drafts to Adam, I would hate not drafting, like the exercise of it, but I would still <laughs> feel good about my chances. Maybe better. Probably is better. He, is he better, though, at fantasy or at blackjack? Oh, the blackjack. You want to do a podcast <laughs> in the morning on that? Just without him? Can we just speak freely? It's so bad. <laughs> so bad i've never seen a worse player <laughs> number seven in tonight's draft is andrew geller he is at the underscore guilds on twitter and and he is also an experienced high stakes player playing on ffpc since 2014 multiple league titles in both the main event and football guys players championship as well as a successful player in the nffc 
Number eight is a Buffalo guy and a friend of yours, Mike, Louis G. Tell us a little bit about Louis. Uh, well, for he's one of my closest friends. He did an amazing job to help the Scott Fishbowl live drafts come off in Buffalo with Thurman Thomas a few weeks ago. Super hard worker, stand-up comedian in his downtime, or uh, so he would have you think. <laughs> and um, he's really good at this. He and I teamed up in two main events last year, and we cashed in both. Um, he belongs Nice. We've got number nine, Mitch Carl, a childhood friend of Adam Krautwurst. He's an avid DFS player and sports better. You can find his stuff at Team Riser Fall and on My Spari. He is at DFSN Donuts on Twitter. Number 10, Mike Beers of Rotoviz. Really, Jared, one of the first analysts, I think, to dive into best ball content back when this stuff all got started. So he's somebody you always have to watch out for in these rooms. He is at Beerswater on Twitter. Number 11, Noah Rudell is an avid high stakes and best ball player, multiple best ball finals dating back to play draft. Uh, it's short run as a, an underdog type of app football and baseball uh, wins and high finishes for Noah. He is at Noah Riddell on Twitter. And number 12 is Dwayne McFarlane, friend of ours, multiple time visitor to the show, a draft sharks contributor from back before either you or I, you or I were on staff here, Jared. That's right. Yeah. And can we start talking about these teams already? Because <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, I mean, Dwayne, <laughs> I gotta let people know who's picking them before we can talk about their picks, right? Nah, nah, you're the professional. You gotta do your job. Um, but I mean, just starting with Dwayne, uh, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, like to get 1,500 rushing yards out of your two quarterbacks. That that's a pretty pretty exciting start. Uh, and 1,500 is probably a floor projection. Yep. I picked 12 last night. Hurts, Lance, for me going in was what I thought was my best case scenario. That Hurts would make it. I mean, there were two running backs picked in the first round, not none, but. Last night, there were two at one and two, and then there was an auto draft team. So it worked out. Murray went 11 last night. Yeah. I thought, I don't, I don't want to say too much yet. I want to see what he does at three and four. But that was uh, what I was hoping for last night. Turns out I really didn't need Lance. I picked Kelsey there. I was going to say, because you had the chance to take Hertz Lance. So what made you go tight end instead of quarterback at the one-two turn? There just weren't that many quarterbacks taken. Like it, it was, it looked like it was going to be a draft where get the number one tight end and then see what happens in three and four. I also looked at a team from last year, uh, Andrew Geller, Gilds, who's in this draft at seven. He picked 12th in his draft last year and he finished eighth overall. And I was thinking I could try to emulate some of the things he did, although he started receiver, receiver, I think, uh, in that, if you remember, I don't know if you do, but. You did your homework, Mike. I did my homework. That's right. Nice. nice. That's important. That's why we brought you on, because I'm just talking. It's not um, the glasses? <laughs> no, that, I mean, that makes me feel like I'm on up. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> looking through that full first round, as Mike has alluded to and said, we had more quarterbacks going early in this one. Maybe that was people forgetting what the rules were at the beginning, but we do have Plenty of quarterbacks. It is a super flex format. It is PPR except for tight end. It is tight end premium. So you get one and a half points per tight end reception. So we'll see how much that pushes all the tight ends up the board. Round one started going through. It was Josh Allen, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, then Lamar Jackson as the second quarterback in this one, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray right behind him. So that's four quarterbacks ahead of Patrick Mahomes, which is less weird now than it would have seemed a few months ago. We had Jonathan Taylor follow Patrick Mahomes, then Joe Burrow, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, then that hurts Lance turn. Uh, Jared, what do you think of that round one? 
I mean, pretty chalky to me. I guess a few surprises like Jefferson going at three ahead of Cooper Cup, ahead of some of the quarterbacks. Um, I think Joe Burrow being the sixth quarterback off the board ahead of Jalen Hurts is a slight surprise. Other than that, though, I mean, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect to see in the first round of a super flex draft. Mm-hmm. And actually, we have the first drafter in our order, Mike Leone, joining us in the on the, the stream right now. Mike, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. It's going pretty well, but, you know, Mike had me think that uh, all these QBs would last, and they didn't, so I wasn't super comfortable with this 2-3 turn here. What are you worried about picking first? Found, I think the one thing we had <laughs> up in these drafts is that you can't look at the one from last night and expect tonight's to go the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, I wanted either Carr or Stafford, so those guys going before me was a bit of a bummer. I felt like I was in no man's land there, um, taking kind of just like a Mac QB, but in case the run just kept going, I wanted to get to Mike, Mike, have you moved Stafford down your personal board at all with the elbow stuff? Not really. I would have taken Stafford. It sounds like it's mostly going according to plan. I mean, I know it doesn't like sound super great that he's dealing with this elbow thing, but it sounds like when he's been throwing, he's been fine. They just kind of been managing it. And this is part of the plan. So I'm not worried yet, but I know Evan was pinging us on it and he was starting to get a little concerned. Who's the backup? Now, I bet he goes tonight. Wolford? I think it's Wolford, yeah. I bet he goes tonight. That'll be interesting to see. 25 rounds. on the stream at that point. 25 rounds. That's right. So, Mike, I heard you kind of refer to Aaron Rodgers as a Matt quarterback. That means there's a, a good bit of separation between him and Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford in your rankings? I, I mean, probably not. Just based on feel, I'm worried about you no know, Devontae Adams and – they're not exactly pass happy team. He just gets there so much on passing efficiency, which is sort of in today's day and age, the hard way to get quarterback points, you know, not a lot of passing volume, not any rushing from the position. So I'm, I'm just concerned that like, I think Carr and Stafford have a bit of a higher ceiling, even though Rogers has been so good efficiency wise the last couple of years. Can I, can I predict uh, Dwayne far be it for me to sort of please you know, predict a giant like Dwayne, but this was my, my plan last night. And I thought AJ Brown and, and Kittle were these picks. If I was going to start Hurts, Lance, it oh, would yeah. AJ Brown and Kittle yep. since it's his turn. Exactly. You have Allen and Diggs. I did. I went with the stack with Diggs. Gretch um, stacked up Lamar and Andrews. I think that was it so far through the first two rounds as far as stacks go. So Mike, have you done much of the Superflex drafting in the tournaments that have been available this year more than they have been ever before? Just a little bit. I've done a couple FFPC ones, a couple underdog ones, and so not a ton of them, but enough that I'm somewhat familiar, especially with the the quarterback position gets weird because, I mean, the the scarcity in Superflex right away is pretty bad. And then when you throw in the best ball aspect of it where you want three legitimate contributors – I mean, it can, you, you really want to be stocked up pretty well at quarterback. I plan on leading with, you know, probably four quarterbacks and I might even try and push a third starting quarterback here and make people a little bit nervous depending on how, what falls. How bad do you think it is in this format? If like, you're not always using a quarterback in that super flex spot. Like, is I, mean, that I guess the roster can you survive that way? I guess with full PPR and the roster is being deep enough, you know, you're probably going to run into some spike weeks from your skill players that it's not an absolute death sentence. But yeah. I mean, 
once we start getting into the latter half of the season, when injuries start happening to the skill players and thing, and you know, some of those guys have busted out, that's when you're really going to need the quarterback, you know, weeks eight through 16, because it's going to be a lot harder to fill with spike weeks, especially because I mean, three wide receiver, a regular flex, and then a super flex. It's a pretty deep starting lineup. If it was just, you know, two wide receivers and one super flex and not a regular flex, it'd be a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like a top five, top eight wide receiver week matching, a you know, decent starter week for quarterback. So it's certainly not a plan that you want to go in with. It's rather something that you fall back on. Do you, th- this format's a little bit different in that you have to start the three receivers, you have the extra flex spot. So there are more starters overall, but is, mm-hmm. is this typically how you try to start your super flex drafts is getting two of those quarterbacks among the first three rounds. And does that differ depending on where you are in the order? Yeah, I would say usually I would say I was right on the cusp there with Rogers of either, you know, taking a second wide receiver. I mean, I, I, there were a few options. I didn't feel very comfortable there. I felt like Pitts was a fun upside play with the tight end premium scoring. Um, you know, either CD or Devonte Adams at wide receiver or could, you know, get like a hero running back. So the setup, you know, kudos to you guys for the setup. I think it forces some pretty tough decisions, especially with the quarterbacks going earlier than they did last night. Yeah. So talking about some of the other picks along the way, we talked about the turn for Dwayne, the two quarterbacks to begin and Mike, what do you think? Mike show up. What do you think of that turn that you predicted? You got half right. It looks like it's great. And I, immediately regretted saying anything like I, I don't want to be talking about players until it's all sort of the dust is settled mm-hmm. but um I mean I think you want to stack in this this is a first a big first prize you know we got to beat 71 teams right Jared so yep. um feels to me like I don't know all the math on that but it feels to me like that's probably a good plan and yeah I mean, I, mean we were talking last night it's you know it's not underdog you know, having to beat 400,000 other teams or whatever it is. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, to finish first out of 70, 72, you still got to, I think, have some have some correlation built in there. Yeah. Mike yeah. Leone, are you thinking that uh, along those lines that stacking is certainly matters because we're trying to beat a small field in a tournament setup here, but less imperative here than it is in like a DFS lineup or the larger tournaments like on underdog? Yeah, it's less imperative. It's still a pretty good tiebreaker just because, the season long correlation between teammates is pretty high. That's something I looked at a few years ago where, you know, not just the weekly spike week stuff, but just more so if Josh Allen has a nutty season, it's highly likely that Stefan Diggs is going to beat his ADP and, or at the very least not be a disappointment. So just kind of reducing the amount of things you have to get right is, is the way I'm looking at it. So we had seven quarterbacks in round one. We had, uh, what do we got? Six more in round two. So 13 off the board by that two, three turn after Trey Lance, it was Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Mark Andrews, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, then Stefan Diggs, Aaron Rodgers at that, at that turn we already talked about through round two, we had two teams that had not yet drafted a quarterback. Does that surprise any of you guys that it was either only two teams or that we did still have two teams that passed on quarterback for that amount of time? I would say that deferring to you guys, if you sense like Noah may have, that it was going to be a quarterback mad room, then there's some value in staying away from it. And I do like the quarterbacks in the next you know, the rest of the starters this year do have some interesting upside and value. So I'm eager to see how it works out for him. 
And we're about to have Mike Leone on the clock. We won't ask you oh, to man. talk about who you're looking at, uh, but we'll ask you for your analysis on those picks after you get them in. Jared, are you how nervous would it make oh. you to start like Noah has started his team? He's now through four rounds without a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. and we're way at the other end, so he's got to wait for it to snake back to 5'11 for his next pick. Yeah, I was going to say through two rounds, it's fine. Through four rounds, I'm starting to get nervous. Um, I don't know. Maybe his tiers differ from mine. Like, I, I would have snapped up Trevor Lawrence in the fourth if I was him because he stands out as a value, and it's obviously a need at that point. But yeah, I'll be curious to see how he, how he builds out the rest of this team. Yeah, and certainly, as we said last night, it takes different builds because you are you are trying to win a league. You are trying to win a 72-team tournament. So um, you got to be different in some way, and we'll see how he fills that out. I agree. I would have taken Trevor Lawrence at that fourth spot uh, before that. I mean, so he had two shots at that, at 311 mm-hmm. and 4-2. We haven't had another quarterback go off the board since Trevor Lawrence in the middle of round four. So maybe his gamble is working out if he sees this packed tier. Maybe he doesn't like Trevor Lawrence as much as we do. And he sees Trevor Lawrence being closer to, you know, the Mac Jones guys that are coming up next. So I guess we'll see what gets back to him at the end of round four. We had Mike Leone pick Alvin Kamara. And as he threatened to do, he stole a third quarterback just to make everybody more uncomfortable. Mm. So Mike, take us through your thought process now that it's over for that turn. Yeah. I was looking at Fournette and Kamara as it was falling to get kind of an anchor RB to build around. And I think those guys both have incredibly high ceilings just given their pass catching ability. And then the second pick was really tough. I, I, I almost immediately have regret not taking George Kittle just because of these overall formats. It's hard to replicate, you know, the upside of the elite onesie positions with quantity, like at wide receiver, I feel like you can do it a little bit more with just quantity over quality at tight end. You can't really do that because guys just like physically do not score that many points later. So it was between Daniel Jones and kill, but ultimately I was hoping to put pressure on the QB room. And I do think um, that the room might be undervaluing getting a third quarterback in just due to the combination of super flex and best ball scoring. Mm-hmm. Camara was the 13th running back pick tonight at the end of four. Last night for me, he was my pick at the end of three, and he was running back 10. So a little bit, uh, you know, more room to you wait out running back tonight has happened like two picks before you. I think value-wise, you probably benefited. Although I know, Matt, I was early on Camara last night, but I don't know. I liked it. You're in a good place for early on Kamara because I think the universe, you know, speaking of fantasy drafters, are late on Kamara right now. Now that we've gotten to this point and there is really no signal that a suspension is coming, I think the only thing that, you know, obviously I'm guessing. I'm not a lawyer, even though it seems like I'm very lawyerish. Uh, the only thing I think that Does could it? bring about a Kamara suspension <laughs> is if a video finally comes out. That's That's what it sounds like his court case is delayed enough that whatever is going to happen will probably happen for next season is the way I understand it. We're still, you know, in our ETR rankings, like baking in some risk there, but I mean, he had an 18% target share, 18, 19% target share last season, 20% two seasons ago. So if he's playing, even factoring in like probably reduced targets for the full year of Jameis and some of the wide receiver additions they made, but like ultimately in full PPR leagues, you can't manufacture that type of upside um, if you're not a pass catcher. So I think he's, I think really after CMC, 
the running backs like Kamara Fournette from a pure ceiling perspective can match like any of the round one running backs, which is why I like waiting a little bit there. Great. And obviously we're talking about ceiling here, but how do you feel about Fournette? Did you change your opinion of him at all with the fat Lenny stuff? Or is it like, eh, as long as he's in shape when he gets back to camp? Kind of as long as he's in shape. And it took like three days. They were like, oh, he met Wade. He's, he's back. <laughs> that stuff, I think it's blown a little bit out of proportion. This all I, gets, I mean, all of this gets blown out of proportion. Look what we're doing. Look what we're doing right now. Four of us are sitting here talking about <laughs> a draft that nobody paid to enter. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, I still like Rashad White too. I like them both though, like at their current price tags, just because the high value touches in Tampa Bay are so huge. I mean, you know, Fournette missed the first playoff game and Gio and Keyshawn Vaughn each put up 20 plus PPR points. Fournette comes back, he puts up 35 PPR points, which is pretty nuts. Guys, any other questions for Mike before we let him go to focus on his draft the rest of the way? Or Mike, if you want to stay with uh, us, feel free to let me know and we'll keep you around. I would probably like hop off after a question just because I'm getting a little, it's, it's a tough draft. So yeah, <laughs> I'd just like to brag that we have homely called empire niagara that i organized a couple years ago and there are 12 of us and three others in the league are in this tonight adam louis and mike so that's pretty good for a home league not too sure western new york is kind of loaded when it comes to fantasy prowess the the san pedro de macaris of fantasy (laughs) where we take over minnesota used to be for fantasy i don't know if you guys have been in long enough to know what what a hotbed minnesota used to be but well, I, I, I guess I didn't know that. No, <laughs> maybe we can. We'll, we'll have lots of time to talk about these things tonight and for like four more nights of this. So, um, Mike Leone, before you go, why don't you tell people where to look for your stuff? Yeah, you can find me at Establish the Run. We got our draft kit going. Uh, we're already grinding preseason stuff for tonight's slate, which I know I already locked. But if you're playing preseason DFS, uh, we got all the virgins working on making sure we got the depth charts updated for that. So uh, you can find my stuff and all the other ETR guys at establishedrun.com. Awesome. Thanks very much for joining us, Mike. You, Thanks, Mike. guys. Thanks Good for luck the together. The I was really hoping Kittle would make it to Dwayne because of the coffee oh housing. I know. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't have been so much in terms of the competition, Jared, but I mean, I mentioned him yeah. at the three, four turn and I felt bad <laughs> about it right away. And it almost made him, he almost made all the way back because last night he went in round six, actually. Whew. Yeah, we got to beat, we got to beat these guys. So we don't want to, you know, <laughs> I know, root him on too I mean, hard. You but. know that at that point, and we, and George Kittle went at 5'10 for anybody who's listening to this instead of watching it. Uh, you know that at that point, Dwayne had to be like, oh, come on, guys, let him get back to me here at the turn. But, you know, that's what happens in rooms like this. And it was the second tight end for, Mike Beers. So through five rounds, he did end up taking his first quarterback in round three. It was two up. Then he's gone with two straight not quarterback picks since then. So Mike Beers has started Cooper Cup, Travis, <clears throat> excuse me, Travis Kelsey in the second, Tua in the third, Mike Evans in the fourth, George Kittle in the fifth. What do you think of that one, Jared? I like it. We'll see what he ends up with at quarterback. And then, so, you know, four, we have four of the top five tight ends around two different teams because Ben Gratch took Mark Andrews in round two and Darren Waller. In round four. So, you know, we'll see how that impacts the rest of the draft when it comes to the tight end position. And Ben stacked Andrews with Lamar Jackson, as you said earlier, not, not a stack for Darren Waller. So obviously just trying to um, play that bully tight end approach. One of the more fun things I think of these drafts over the past t- couple of years, Jared was wondering when Mike was finally going to take his first running back. Cause he's certainly one of those zero <laughs> RB guys. 
and often till like round 10, round 11. I don't even remember what the longest was that he went without taking his first. I think the first year we said we were going to stay on stream until he took a running back and it was like 10 p.m. or something around 15. <laughs> and he was like, then you guys are going to suffer. <laughs> Amateur mistake. <laughs> so looking at round three after that Aaron Rodgers pick that we talked about with Mike Leone, we had Najee Harris, we had Kirk Cousins, DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts as the third tight end, but toward the middle of round three, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Justin Fields, Tyree Kill, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Debo Samuel, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown at that 3-4 turn for Dwayne's team. Uh, round four, after A.J. Brown, we had Joe Mixon, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Aaron Jones, D.J. Moore, Trevor Lawrence in the middle, the only quarterback in that round, Mike Williams, Darren Waller, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara. Mike, looking back through those first four rounds, are you surprised after the way we started that we didn't find more drafters either – securing their second at that point or going ahead and grabbing a third while seeing that other teams weren't going quarterback heavy. Not surprised, um, but we're going to run out of quarterbacks pretty soon. <laughs> um, there was a lot of stacking tonight, right? I mean, you mentioned a few already, but uh, Burrow and Higgins is another one. Um, I don't know. how. Luby, Luby has Russell Wilson and both Broncos receivers. He just, right. he just locked up that double stack. Right. And there's much more yet to come. I mean, you see a lot, you see that happening around you. I feel like there's, yep. there's all, of course, lots of chances, you know, for a lot of these quarterbacks, they're at least their second best receiver has yet to be drafted. So um, right. bottom line, you guys support that. I mean, you think it's necessary or at least uh, advantageous. Advantageous, I, definitely not necessary. I'd yeah, so. I think it's advantageous, but not necessary. I think it's the kind of thing where some of them will come up and you say, I could take him here, but he's behind four other receivers. So I'm going to take a shot that he makes it back to me. I think you don't need to reach to make it happen. And that's true in general is when you reach too much to complete those stacks, then you give up the advantage that you get by stacking. So uh, mm -hmm. I think you have to weigh that with every turn. I would imagine that lots of these guys came in knowing quarterbacks that they were going to target and knowing generally the ADP of the receivers that would be stackable with them. Obviously it changes when the format is different, but you know, you can have a decent idea of who might make it back to you in starting that stack. Mike Leone Mike certainly wasn't dissuaded, right? Uh, Jared? And he's, he's the go yeah. bills of the draft sharks invitational, <laughs> which is definitely not a put down. Go bills won the main event and best ball mania too. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Not uh, not a bad offense to, to have stacked up. Um, right. The other note I was going to make about Mike's team, he's still the only drafter with three quarterbacks. You know, through through six rounds, he's the only one with three of them. Yeah, and he just kicked off round seven. So I think that the, the double wide receiver stack to me seems like in the larger tournaments, it's getting overdone a little bit because then you really need an offense to go absolutely crazy. I think that's another thing like not needing the stack here. I think it's also easier to justify that kind of double wide receiver stack. Cause again, you're trying to beat 71 teams, not trying yeah. to beat you know, even, you know, 486 teams in the last round or whatever that specific number is an underdog. Yeah. I think it depends well, on the price tag, right? Like right. Diggs and Davis are super expensive. You know, Ty Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle are both, you know, going in the first four rounds. So it, I I'm with you, man, in the underdog drafts. I think it's tough for both of those guys to deliver, you know, ADP beating seasons. How about 18 rounds over there versus 25 here? 
I mean, in a Superflex draft, the instinct is quarterback, and you know how you you know how it feels when you get stuck. But what is the difference between a, a running back in round 15 versus 22, or a receiver in round 17 <laughs> versus 24? You're going to fill out. You're going to give yourself more dart throws, as they say. Just feels like yeah. there's more reason to push quarterback up because eventually there's a law of diminishing returns on receivers and running backs, and maybe especially tight yeah. ends. Yeah, I think that's the point Mike was making, right, about, you know, trying to get an elite at one of those onesie, at both onesie positions if possible, um, and then using using the depth to fill out at running back and wide receiver. Right next to Mike Leone's team, we had a team not take quarterback in round one, Christian McCaffrey to Danny Kelly in round one. Then he got Matthew Stafford near the end of round two, Najee Harris in the third, Leonard Fournette in the fourth, then Michael Pittman, and then he got Matt Ryan not around the same turn. It was heading away from him in round five when he took Pittman. I would imagine he was ha quite happy to see Matt Ryan get back to him at 6'11 because we had four other quarterbacks go between that Pittman pick. There were Zach Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, and Mac Jones. And Jared, I, I wouldn't have bet that among those five quarterbacks, Matt Ryan would be the last one. I mean, if you're ever going to be happy to draft Matt Ryan, that's that's when you're going to be happy. Like he's never he's never a guy I'm excited to draft. But yeah, to get him after waiting all that time to stack him up with Pittman makes a lot of sense. Um, and four running backs already for Danny Kelly, so he he's gone RB heavy here. To say the Matthew Stafford news is fairly new, um, if you want to call it news, like the extent to which his elbow is bothering him. We talked about that with Mike Leone as well. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen, of course, but I do know that the Vegas line moved after that broke toward the oh, Bills. Oh, did it? Wow. Yeah. Half a point. So there's enough concern about him to make that happen, and that's not nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, it's tough to know for sure, obviously, because none of us are doctors. We don't know how serious it is, but it doesn't seem positive that he's having to take a couple days off. And it's certainly, even though they were reporting that the team expects him to be fine. They're not saying, yeah, we were expecting to give him a couple of days off of throwing. It seems like something that they've decided he needs. Well, we just don't know what the injury is, right? Like I, you know, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to ask our, our, uh, you know, medical experts on Twitter, like, you know, what they think, but we don't, we don't know what the injury is. So it's, it's tough to even get a read on it. Well, well fortunately in our waiting room is medical expert, Louis G. So he's going to come in and tell us exactly what's going on with Matthew Stafford's elbow. Louis, thanks for joining us. Please give us a medical update. Yeah, no medical updates here. Uh, I did go to college for seven years, but I did not get a doctorate. Um, I didn't even get out with a bachelor's, but I, uh, that's the only thing I have. I have for you. I wanted to thank you guys and Theo before saying anything about, uh, you know, finding a way to get me in here. I was supposed to draft the night that I was going to a Metallica concert, and that was not going to line up very well. So I do uh, thank you guys and thank Theo. I got to get that out of the way for uh, working with me here. Guys, stop trying to get me into the mosh pit. I'm on the clock. <laughs> yeah, I I was going to figure it out one way or another, <laughs> but that was definitely a, a, a fear of mine. I can't figure out how Metallica fills the stadium, but <laughs> well, that's a shots fired. We got a guest yeah, coming in, that... Mike, Mike, right away, making him feel uncomfortable. That was my <laughs> one joke. <laughs> that's it. He's always good for the one joke. <laughs> <laughs> to to finish the Stafford or add to the Stafford thing really quick, McVeigh sounded a little surprised that Stafford is still in pain. So I think as 
safe as coaches play it, he gave off that there's something they weren't planning on with uh, with the elbow. That's all. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, plus I think the new info today was because we knew we had the surgery right after the Super Bowl, but he had something else done to the elbow in the spring. And I, I can't remember exactly what it was, if it was an injection or something. But um, so there's been, you know, two procedures or whatever you want to call them on that elbow. So, it, you know, it's lingered for a while now. It's I mean, it it doesn't push me away from Stafford so much just because like he's cheap enough. But to me, it's like when you're staring at Cooper Cup at two or three overall, even Allen Robinson in the fourth round, you know, it, it I think it makes you think twice at least. All right, so let's start talking about Louie's team because we can talk more about Matthew Stafford um, once he's back manning his draft. Louie, you got Jonathan Taylor in round one. Then it was Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, Aaron Jones, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Jameis Winston, and Michael Thomas most recently. Let's start at the top. Did you think hard about any of the quarterbacks or was there a tear break there that made you go for Jonathan Taylor at the eighth spot? That was just it. It was just uh... It looked uh, promising there for a second where I thought I could get Mahomes. Um, I I knew I wasn't getting Kyler. I had uh, sniped Adam uh, in the Scott Fish Bowl uh, in an early spot, and he was pretty pissed off that I took Kyler there. I knew he wouldn't have gotten past him. So I, I even though I had Kyler as my number two, um, I knew he wasn't getting to me. Mahomes obviously looked like a uh, – uh, a possibility there. And at that point, I, I thought I might get back to Hertz uh, in retrospect. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm mad that I didn't end up there. I think I could have justified Hertz there definitely. And, uh, was just hoping maybe he came back to me, but, uh, Hertz and Lance were two guys that I really wanted to come back to be my first guy. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get Wilson because I love that stack. And I think that stack has, uh, only gotten more attractive, obviously, since the Patrick injury. Yeah. So when you got Russell Wilson, I'm, you know, I'm sure that you were hoping for one of the two guys. Did you think that it was a realistic possibility that you would get both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy later on? I figured, and and honestly, Sutton, I think uh, Sutton probably was going to line up to right around. You know, I could have lost out on Sutton, but then I figured um, that next round I would have gotten Judy pretty easily. I'm probably, you know, there's a few guys that in a vacuum I would have over Judy in that pick uh, that were available, but I knew he wouldn't have made it back. And I, in a tournament like this, I just, I love the idea of, of having those three. And I, I'm betting big on that offense this year. I'm invested high on them. Uh, I was, uh, it, Patrick was actually my lowest shared target as far as, so that like that kind of, just helped me even more. I was even more invested in Hamler and, and Albert O um, than I was with Patrick. So not to like uh, do any celebrations of injuries, but it, it did help my portfolio. Not that injury. Yeah. Not a victory lap. You just like, okay, this isn't yeah. hurting me. Yeah. Are you definitely Sutton over Judy before we get away from the Broncos wideouts? Yeah, I am Sutton over Judy. I, I've been Judy's biggest fan since his rookie year. And I know he's just been, uh, you know, kind of a disappointment for anybody that keeps on, you know, expecting something from him. But I just, whatever, you know, if this, if, if he doesn't hit this year, <laughs> you know, there's no more excuses. He's got, he's got the quarterback. He's got the offense. He's, you know, I, I just think he's going to pop this year and really, you know, 
I guess Patrick's skill set did lean to have some fear there. I was like I said, I was already betting on him being a, a, a pretty big number two ahead of him. This only helps that for me. So yeah, I, I, I have them pretty even, I think, in my projections, but you kind of have to go Sutton earlier is it, because there's still a lot of people hurt on Judy. So it, <laughs> you get some guys passing on him where where he's going. Why why is no why is no one hurt on Sutton? I mean, he was even worse over the second half of last season than Judy was. Now I I think we give Judy a mulligan for last season. You nasty high ankle sprain in week one. Those injuries kill skill position guys. And then he obviously dealt with the crappy quarterback play too. So I like, I like both guys. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm team Judy though. If you, if you made me pick one of them. Then after the Broncos pair, like we said, it was Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston. Did you think you had a shot at Trevor Lawrence? You had a shot at Ryan Tannehill the following round. There were some other guys available. Did you think about a third quarterback at any point before the round seven pick where you took Jameis? Yeah, I really hated that that Aaron Jones pick. Um, it, I'm not an Aaron Jones guy. Um, anytime I draft Aaron Jones, it's just Mike Shope's voice right. <laughs> in, 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 in my, you know, he, he's a big Jones guy and uh, I, I respect Mike and we, but he's not a guy on my radar um, as he's, especially in this kind of build, I didn't want my second RB there after Taylor. They got the same bye week, which I really don't necessarily care about. Um, in a tournament like this, because, uh, you know, if I'm in it in week 14, <laughs> you know, hopefully those two have put me into a big enough lead. Um, so I don't care about the bye week situation as much. I just don't love Jones as a player. I probably would have liked going Lawrence there in retrospect, especially with what the cheap, there, there were, there's obviously some cheap options to stack Lawrence with, uh, you know, not just after that, but coming up still later in the draft. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that was my one misstep. I just hated anybody else there, and I'm a Lawrence. I, I really am on Lawrence this year. I should have just taken my stand and took the third quarterback there because I'm not extremely comfortable with where I ended up here with Winston and uh, Winston Thomas either. So, Lou, we could do this tomorrow in a bar or right now. What, again, is the argument against Jones as a player? I more so for me than anything is the age and and Dylan I like Dylan as a player so that is really where it comes back to me is now I've I've been giving up on Aaron Jones for the last two two three years here and he keeps proving me wrong there's definitely going to be targets for both of them I mean they're both going to get a good work share this year I just I would rather buy Dylan at his price than Jones at his. I guess it really, okay. uh, it, it, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, you'd rather have Javante Williams normally, and yeah. you could have done that tonight too. Yeah, I, I'm a big Javante guy. I um, I talked myself out of that there, and I'm sorry. I, I'm <laughs> I, I apologize. But um, I talked myself out of Javante there because uh, – I don't know. I, I Javante is like Gabe Davis. Uh, you know, I mean, those those two guys are just you can't go on Twitter and not change your mind about them every 50. You know, and I, I respect a bunch of guys in this room, a bunch of you, know, you guys and, and, and whatever. And just like every time you read something, it, it's going back and forth with Javante. And I, I just I've wanted to make my 
stand on him. Like I've been a Javante guy since day one, but now it's like I started with him. I was drafting him in February in the late first round, early second, and expecting Gordon to come back. And then Gordon comes back and he takes that step back and I couldn't go a month or two without taking him every opportunity. He got him in the fourth round and underdogs. Now he's kind of bumping back up. And I just, my portfolio is all over the place with him. So I just think it's time to break. Time well, to break. I got enough. So, yes. So that we're uh, having this chat because we have the eighth pick in the main event. And when it's two, five, uh, it's good to get this, you know, get the dirty laundry out, get the conversation. Get, just do this now. It's a month away. We'll figure it out then. Yeah, if we're the sombrero. Yeah. The sombrero, I have the same sombrero as Aaron Jones, and that's maybe not where the similarities end. <laughs> so so uh, Cecil Cecil Lammy, who you know, he's a Denver radio guy and he works for football guys. He was like all aboard the Javante Williams breakout train a couple of weeks ago. And that, you know, after watching the first week of, of camp or so. He's kind of backed off that. And he even tweeted this afternoon. He's like, he, I think it was, you know, to the effect of you're drafting Javante Williams at his ceiling right now. Like he, he, he seems to think Melvin Gordon's going to continue to play a, a pretty big role in that backfield. Yeah. But his point too, I think in that, in that tweet and not to be like argumentative, but it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I would be shocked if it wasn't, you know, I was thinking maybe 90, 10, I wouldn't be shocked if it was in more 70, 30 or something. Well, I mean, Jonathan Taylor only had 69% last year. I mean, it, again, I don't care as much about shares as I do. Just, I mean, the number one dog in that offense is going to eat. Um, I just didn't know to like, I had already had Wilson, so then I would have been pretty heavy on on, on the Denver. Like, I like stacking. Right. I don't love super stacks, really. Right. It's just it, to me that's not the uh, my most optimal way to go about it. That's that's a good point. I didn't think of that when I asked you, but Wilson with I would not have done that either, even if I liked Williams. Yeah, I'm just I'm not into the super stacks. I'll do my my quarterback wide you know targets, but I'm not. I, I just don't love bringing the running back into that. Speaking of quarterback and wide receiver, you have four wideouts on your roster through, what is that, nine rounds, and they are from two different teams. So you followed the two Broncos wideouts with the two Saints wideouts. Was Chris Olave going to be a target for you if he got back to that spot, or was it like, oh, I'm up again. Chris Olave is there. I might as well make Winston fit better. Olave is probably my number one owned rookie. I... Did not love this class. Um, I, I, I'm well on uh, on uh, record with that. And, you know, Mike makes this point a lot. I want to reiterate it. Like, we don't know anything more than these NFL. You know, we could say we watch the film. We I listen to the smartest people that, that break all that stuff down. We don't know any more than anybody else does. They're all hit and miss all the time anyways. With these type of situations, I want to go look at what Vegas thinks. I always go, I always go back to Vegas, and Olave has been right up there with the favorites um, for Rookie of the Year since the, the the odds were released. And I think a little bit of that had to do with the uncertainty of Thomas. But I don't care if Michael Thomas is practicing this week. Like there's still that uncertainty with Michael Thomas. I'm I'm still buying into Olave. I'm buying into that offense being. Uh, productive in the passing game because uh, they're going to be bad. You know, I think they're going to throw a lot and and uh, there'll be a passing offense. I like a lot of a skill set for that that team. And uh, again, I'm kind of just following Vegas's odds here, just 
I, I would rather get him at his where he's going behind these other studs uh, at his value. And of course, it just makes sense here with the with the stack. I, I still don't know why he doesn't like Aaron Jones, but he's a good player. <laughs> My guy here, I just celebrated because I knew Komet. You see him stacking all night, doesn't have the tight end. Yeah, it's going to be Komet, and I can say it because it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I bet yeah, you. Of course, stack with that round three, Justin Fields, though. So. Yeah, well, that's right. that's me, stack mania here. I'll, 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 start, I'll start drafting uh, value here at the end, but – Right now, I love this first 10. Um, this is going to be a good little uh, start here and uh, look forward to uh, rounding it off with uh, a bunch of guys that will not play this year, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Louie, thanks very much for joining us. Tell people what they can look for from you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can stop <laughs> uh, <you can laughs> the time. I can let you know all my comedy dates. It's you're, it's done right there. That's it. No, um, you could you could look up our our uh, podcast. I got a podcast with Kyle Turner. Uh, that's on Twitter at no nerds underscore ff. Uh, it's called Analytics are for the nerds. We kind of uh, do a comedy slash. Uh, you know, we we always bring on an analyst, so you get about 20, 30 minutes of actually real fantasy talk, and then we draft something stupid at the end with some comics, and always have a good time. So, um, you know, if you get bored with the real, uh, <laughs> real fantasy talk, you know, give us a listen and hopefully we make you laugh a little bit. If you get bored um, with the deep end, stop on over at nonerdsff.com. Look, look at this shameless plug. He gets found away, <laughs> found away in the deep end. I would have worn a deep end shirt today, but I didn't get mine in the mail yet. So I'll be waiting for that. Come see my new podcast that I just started while you were talking called Ed Asner is in up.com because of the glasses. <laughs> I've already been smacking the glasses. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for joining us, man. At FF underscore Louis G. Make sure to follow him there. Check out all his stuff. It's always fun talking to Louis G, right, Mike? Nah, not, not always. <laughs> Maybe six, 60, 40, 55, 45, depending on, you know. It's like the Williams-Gordon split. We're all just waiting <laughs> yeah. to see That's how right. it's actually going to be. That's right. I mean, I, I like his team, though. Me too. Yeah, he's got that third quarterback. Now that makes – let's see. We got one, two, three, four, five teams that have three quarterbacks. By far the earliest to get that third quarterback was Mike Leone at the first spot. Looking at Mike Beers' team, we noted that he was the last one. No, not the last one to take a quarterback. One of the ones that waited on a quarterback early, then waited several more rounds after Tua. He's now got three rostered. He took Jared Goff in round seven, and then Carson Wentz in round nine. What do you think of that trio, Jared? I think it's good enough when you look at you know his strength at wide receiver and tight end, especially having Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I mean, he he has he has three starters. You know, he's he's. Probably not going to get many spike weeks, but he's, he's not going to get killed the quarterback either. Mm-hmm. And the how about Noah, more... Matt? Yeah, how about yeah. Noah, yeah. That's what I was just about to jump to. Noah Riddell was the last one to take his first quarterback. Went four rounds without taking one. Then, in three straight picks, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Davis Mills, and then a few rounds later, he still got Baker Mayfield as a fourth quarterback. So, Mike, what do you think yeah. about his build so far? That worked out. I mean, he waited. Did he need a fourth quarterback out. there? Uh, when one of them is Watson, I think you do. Yeah, th- but that just goes back to like if you take Watson there, are you betting on having him for eleven games? Are, are you, you know, well, you still have six? Weeks are, are you hedging? Yeah, but you think, have two quarterbacks. You have two quarterbacks in, for those six weeks. 
He's at 11. He picks Watson. Then he waits and sees. I mean, four more went between his two picks. But if more than that goes because of the third quarterback, you know, Mm -hmm. crisis, if you will, then he drafts more receivers and gets to Watson's backup, you know, in in an hour or so, whatever. Like, I don't know if he planned on doing that, but Mayfield is interesting. Like Mayfield, why does Mayfield need to be four rounds later than the quarterbacks in round six or like Mac Jones or Winston. That's I mean, I think that that's live. He's playing for his career right now. I mean, that's, I think we were talking about that last night, how that, that, you know, tier beyond the top 15 or so is super flat. I I do think it's, it's easier for us sitting here watching this draft play out to know exactly when all those guys were going to go. Like, I'm sure, like, I don't know if if Ben knew that he could have gotten, you know, Carson Wentz in, in round eight, would he have taken Mac Jones in round six? Probably not, but it, you know, it's, it's impossible to know that. Mm-hmm. I do think that Baker Mayfield is closer to a need than a luxury pick there because while you're, you know, expecting to get 11 good weeks from Deshaun Watson, there are still six weeks where you don't really want to force Ryan Tannehill and Davis Mills as your two quarterbacks in the lineup. I mean, if you're going to wait through four rounds to get your first, I think you want to, try to get that third guy who is at least likely to be a starter to mix and match those spike weeks through those yeah. six Watsonless weeks. All four I, of those I, guys have some chance of not finishing the season for different reasons, yeah, sure, right? Yeah. Like if Tennessee struggles badly, which could happen, they go to Willis, uh, Watson, who knows Mills, who knows, like Mills is Minshew two years ago for me where like there's something there, but, Houston is probably so bad that I'm not sure he can save himself. And with all the quarterbacks coming out next year, like what kind of season does Davis Mills have to have to stay in the job next year in Houston? And Minshew was not terrible. And, you know, he's kind of washed out. And then Mayfield, I don't know, but I, I like him. It's just also somebody a very tenuous situation. So it doesn't surprise you when you wait until round five, the yeah. quarterback, and he, he did okay. He got out of it but all four of those guys have a chance to play, I don't know, 12 games or less. I, I, I just think you're kind of screwed if you know, those quarterbacks don't play in any ways. I, I like your game. Like I would have I taken uh, Jacoby Brissett in you know, round 20 instead of taking Baker in round 10. How late did Brissett go last night? Was it that late, round 20? <laughs> it's funny. On Monday night, so this is Thursday – Last night, Wednesday night, our first league, Tuesday, pros versus Joes. Tuesday night, it was like, oh, we finally have clarity on Watson. And today, there seems like there is little as ever. You know, I mean, I feel like it's not looking good for him to play at all this year. But if he does play at all, maybe he plays the whole season. And they just sue and we wait forever. But we still, you know, don't know the outcome yet. Like we thought we did maybe on um, on Monday right. or Tuesday. It was round 16 for Brissett last night. Mm. Okay. Here we are in round 12, early in round 12, right next to Noah Riddell's team that waited on quarterback the longest. We had those two stud quarterbacks, well, what we hope will be stud fantasy quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance at the top, and then uh, Dwayne McFarland has not taken another quarterback since then. So he's through nine more picks, 10 more picks with that round 12 pick. After Trey Lance, it was Derrick Henry, then five wideouts, Tony Pollard, James Cook, Daryl Patterson, that looks like, you know, what you generally see as a hero RB, anchor RB, you know, whatever you want to call it type of build, right, Jared? Definitely. And I like 
Pollard and Cook, especially as your second and third running backs there. I think Pollard is the home run swing, right? Like he, he, he's going to give you some starting weeks without a Zeke injury, but you know, he's a top five back if Zeke goes down. And then Cook is more of that, you know, floor play is probably underselling him, but he's a guy who can, you know, if he catches four balls a lot of weeks, and he's going to give you those, you know, 10 to 12 PPR points to sort of keep your RB2 position afloat until until Pollard takes over. He's probably Naheem Hines, but there's a bit more handcuff type of upside with Devin Singletary as the number one rusher rather than, you know, Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Yeah, he's, he's Naheem Hines in a, you know, pass-heavy, high-scoring offense. Right. With Devin Singletary as the RB1. Right, no JT. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's worth noting that James Cook went two spots ahead of Devin Singletary in this particular draft. I'm fine with that. Are you guys not? Like, I would always take Cook in front of him. I think they're going you know, the range. I'd probably take Singletary yeah. first, but I don't hate James Cook going first. In a tournament, have, I would always take Cook, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we have him back-to-back in our rankings. Which um, doesn't account for format, right? Like, it's just sort of running back it's, rankings? It's uh, – yeah, it's. I mean, it's PPR. It doesn't account for for the best ball aspect. In a war room, you would get maybe uh, you know varying outcomes. The draft sharks war room is so cool, you guys. Like it's just new a new yeah, level I mean, has been uh, reached. Yeah, I mean, and the 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 other uh, I guess variable the war room takes in it into account is ADP. So you know, if it, if it sees Singletary going two rounds ahead of James Cook and ADP, it's, it's going to recommend Singletary before it recommends Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason I would lean Singletary is because I expect there to be more touchdown upside there, but I do think that it's close enough that if somebody's like, nah, I prefer James Cook, that's that's fine. I would imagine that Dwayne had to be quite happy to see Derrick Henry at the end of round three as the eighth running back off the board, because even if you're nervous about him, I mean, that's certainly a fine time to go ahead and take a shot on him. I mean, it's a little bit more than a full round behind where Austin Eckler went off the board. He's third running back, but, you know, similar territory in ADP. Yeah expert leagues or leagues with these, you know, guys who have won big money in high stakes. There used to be a game of like quarterback chicken, like who could be the last one to take quarterback. Now it's like, you know, who, who could be the one to, you know, push Derrick Henry farther and farther down draft boards. You guys know Dwayne. I know he was with draft sharks. I listened to him with uh, Ian Harditz all the time. And I know with Henry earlier in the summer, there was a high end expert football guys, right? When football guys launched, I don't know what it was called hard ways or something like that. And Henry lasted until the middle of the second round. And he, he said at one point, because he might have been waiting for Henry to see, and he sort of said on that show or other shows about it, like, if I'm not going to pick him in the early second, I'm not going to pick him. And in that other example, he was sort of hoping to get him because the slide was so great and the value was so, was so uh, right at that point. So there are other running backs like Mixon, who went two picks later, that are in the same range or close to the same range as Henry. I wonder if it'd be interesting if you, if you know Dwayne to find out like what he was actually thinking there. Uh, was it that he thought value or was it specific to the format or whatever it was? Because the way he sort of generally talks, I would have put him on Mixon over Henry uh, otherwise. Yeah, we can ask him. We can, uh, we can ask him see if we can get a response. Maybe he'll hop on the last half hour here. There you go. Half hour more? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got that in you. You got it in you. Jared, if we were playing the wait for beers to take a running back game, we would have already been able to sign off because he took J.K. Dobbins early. in round eight, yeah. which is very early for uh, Mike Beers' team, especially in a super flex. Two more running backs shortly thereafter, Devin Singletary or Madre Stevenson. And Dobbins ahead of Montgomery, which isn't 
you know, you, you see that from time to time. Also had a Cam Akers. Cam Akers was a faller tonight. He's all the way back there at eight twelve. Yeah, that that might be some of that recent McVay recent McVay quote. You know, saying we have two starters here in Akers and Henderson. But Antonio Gibson went ahead of all of those guys at seven uh, nine, yeah. whereas all those guys that you just mentioned were in round eight, which is noteworthy. For sure, yeah. How do you feel I about that? I, don't I think it. you've been the bigger supporter of Gibson so far. Do you do you like Gibson going there? Or are you like, eh, I think I would have taken those other guys before him. I'm, I'm taking the other guys ahead of him. I mean, Akers for sure. Uh, probably Montgomery for floor. I mean, I you know the, all all the knocks against Gibson are obvious. I just still think you know this is a big athletic back who has produced through two NFL seasons, and he did it last year with a stress fracture in his shin. Like if. If Washington gives him the volume or if he just stumbles into it with a McKissick injury or a Brian Robinson injury, like I believe in Gibson's ability to capitalize and, you know, be be an RB1 in fantasy. It's just, is he going to get that volume? I did not find the McVay quote on Akers to, to be actionable, to mean anything. I thought it was mostly just, yeah, they're both good the way coaches almost always talk. Yeah. And I've drafted a lot of Henderson and I've always liked him. Um, so... The evidence is there on that front, but they just won the Super Bowl with Akers off an Achilles tear. I feel like Akers is going yeah. to get the chance to show whether it, he can hold up. It's it's so tricky because and McVay's history throughout his time with the Rams has been to lean on one back. What made me think about Akers was in that article, and it was from Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. In that article, she also mentioned that she said Akers and Henderson have been splitting reps evenly with the first team offense. And again, that, that might not be mean anything either, but you know, those two things in conjunction have me just, you know, have me wondering if we're going to see more of a committee in LA than we have the past, the past few seasons. And I mean, that's where we are on the calendar, right? Is we're deciding what we should adjust for and what we should ignore and what everything means. And, you know, most of it we're left guessing, but you know, that that's where we are in this time of, of year. I don't think the Rams even want to be practicing. I don't think McVay, if he had it really, if he had full authority and nothing to worry about, they'd even be they'd been practicing. Like he's the first guy to take his starters, his good players off out of the preseason. And I think he probably knows what he wants to do. Well, I know somebody who knows what he wants to do, and it's Adam Krautwurst, who is now joining us live on the stream. Adam, how are things going with you tonight? You know, they were going okay until I realized Jalen Tolbert is my wide receiver three. That's why I'm like, oh boy, it's panic. It's panic time, boys. You got you have you have 13 more picks to go though. So I know. That's 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 what I keep telling myself also. Like, all right, 13 more receivers in a row. So let's look at the top of your draft here, Adam. And you started with Kyler Murray in round one, then Dalvin Cook, CeeDee Lamb, Trevor Lawrence in the fourth, Brees Hall ahead of Nick Chubb. Tell us why you like Brees Hall. Yeah, I mean, uh, pass catching role there probably over uh, a guy like Nick Chubb, younger, kind of the unknown, I guess. I mean, I've had have I've had thoughts and I've heard people talk about Brees Hall being um, anything from a top five running back because of volume and stuff like that to you know kind of where he's drafted here. So um, I'm excited. I take Brees Hall everywhere. I'm even more excited to to back him up with J- James Conner there. I was. Yeah. Uh, super duper yeah. excited. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, I only have three receivers at this point because I was never planning on taking a, another running back there, but Connor was an absolute must. Yeah. A full round after Brees Hall. So are you taking Brees Hall in general ahead of James Connor? Or was this like a, a tournament shoot the moon? 
I have James Conner elsewhere. I'm going to take Brees Hall here. If I'm in one league, I would I would go Connor, but I'd like to vary in, in the mid third round of a normal, you know, non super flex league. Um, I I take them both. You know, one night it's Hall, one night it's Connor, just to kind of vary it up. But I certainly see the the volume there for Connor, but I think Hall could get the same same kind of volume and might and is probably a better better player. So uh, obviously the offense won't be as good, but um, and then also to add Connor to. You know my Kyler Murray, and then I added Zach Ertz a little bit later, so I was I was happy to add those uh, those Cardinals. I have a question: If sure. quarterbacks had been the first five picks, who would you have taken at six? Um, probably Christian McCaffrey. I just did you know I, it was superflex? I did know it was superflex. Yes, thank you for asking. You but uh, yeah, I would I would have taken McCaffrey. Just that that would have been a shoot for the moon. And Taylor, you know. Taylor, I like him because he's safe, right? Like he's uh, he's built for the role. They love him, and but all you keep hearing when the coach keeps telling you, Naheem Hines is going to be involved, and he's oh, been okay. involved before with the passing yeah. game. I don't care about the rushing game, but if he's going to get no receiving, I just that just puts him McCaffrey certainly locked in over over, over Jonathan Taylor for. If for me. I mean, if the Colts are are taking touches away from JT to give them to Hines. That's, you know, that's, that's a problem. I, I think Hines can take some of what, you know, T.Y. Hilton's leaving behind and Zach Pascal. I mean, there's targets to be had there. Um, and, and, you know, J, JT's obviously not going to approach McCaffrey level in terms of receiving, but I, I, I think he'll do, you know, about what he did last year in, in terms of pass catching goes. Yeah. Naheem Hines spent almost a full college season as a wide receiver at NC state. So he certainly is capable of doing some slot stuff for them. If I ran the Colts, and I got a lead in that division, which is maybe really terrible. If Tennessee is bad, like they could be three games up through week five or something like that. And Matt Ryan, everything's going well. That's the reason I would cut into Taylor is try to save him. I mean, the value of running plays anyway, that's the future of all this is the very best running backs. It's not going to be coaches like Frank Reich talking about, oh, Naheem Hines is actually really good. It's really just going to be we want to save our guy so he doesn't break down by December because we're not you know really in a race here. Like that's a that's a situation. I think that that could happen here where Indianapolis is just way ahead, and um, maybe a team that team or some team in the near future operates like that. They, they just give their running back a week off, you know, like teams in other sports do. I, yeah, I wondered if we were going to see that you know when we went to the 17 game season, but you know we. Haven't so far, but yeah, it's 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 possible. The one time it comes to mind was when Tennessee did it with Derrick Henry like two years ago. It was a game that they didn't need, and they had to win the game after that to actually yeah. secure their playoff spot. And they sat, they deactivated Henry for a game. He had an ankle, but it wasn't something that would have kept him out of a game otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree, it's something. Especially the more teams invest in analytics, you got to think we're going to start seeing some of these you know, yep. non-traditional approaches. Yeah. And then we're going to have to start having fantasy championships in like week 13 to make sure that, you know, we all have our guys. <laughs> or just playing it all as best ball. And we never have to set lineups again. Right. <laughs> Adam, any pick of yours that you wish you could take back at this point? Um, Not, not really. So I, you know, I got about halfway or maybe when I got to the Evan Ingram pick, I said, you know, at this point, my, my flex is going to be quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs. And I have to just say, I'm going to, I'm just going to be starting three receivers every week. Generally, I like to start as many receivers as they will allow me to, but 
it just didn't turn out that way for me. And instead of trying to chase it, I'm just, I took the best players and I got to give a shout out. You know, what sucks drafting next to Joey Brown is, you know, he's got the draft warm up. So many freaking Russell Gage. What a great pick. He fell. He, he sniped me on Robinson. He sniped me on Kyle Pitts. So um, it's it's kind of deterred me a little, a little bit, but uh, I'm a, I'm on the clock here, and, and guys, I gotta tell you, I was reading the Shark Bites today about Isaiah McKenzie <laughs> running ahead of running ahead over there. So I'm gonna go with the Shark Bites, and I'm gonna take a guy <laughs> named Isaiah McKenzie in the 14th round as my wide receiver <laughs> four. I love it. Well, hey, if you can get Buffalo's wide receiver two as your wide receiver four, then you're that's what well, I'm right? saying. Does anybody want to stick up for the Shark Bites right now? <laughs> the shark, no, the shark bites actually say draft Isaiah McKenzie in round four. Yes, pretty much. Yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. I need to read that's the shark bites. Drum beat, right? <laughs> that's right. That Jamison Crowder's back. He's healthy, and McKenzie's still running out of him. Oh, this man. is me, you know, dancing to the beat of my own drum. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, to kind of circle back, so. You know, I wasn't planning on taking Miles Sanders. Again, I feel like I got some value there in best ball where he's my running back four. Uh, I expect him to have you – know, their line is elite. I expected him to have a couple of uh, a big runs or maybe a couple of big games there. And I'll probably I'll probably wait a, a, a while now on running back. I'm going to try to catch up a little bit here on receiver, work in some stacks. You know, I took Tolbert. I've got Lamb. So I've got the Cowboys there which I don't hate, obviously. And now I'm going to try to work some stacks in to try to make up for my kind of lack of, of, of power there at the receiver position. Was that about, stacks or snacks? Both. <laughs> How about the uh, Trubisky pick? I mean, that, that couldn't have felt good, but do you do you expect him to be their starter most of the season, the whole season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, the weapons there are sensational. And I just feel like if he can just be – good enough to hold on to the job, he's going to have some spike weeks. I mean, he doesn't have to do just complete the ball to one of these stud. I mean, great receiving running back, great receiving young tight end, three great receivers. Like, you know, just don't be Mitch Trubisky from three years ago and uh, or two years ago, and he'll be fine. He'll, he'll start. I do like in Superflex getting three bona fide starters. Um, I got snipe. I'm trying to see. I got stuck in a couple. There was a QB run that kind of crushed me, and I had to had to wait. I'm trying to see where it was here, but um, well, that the, the other quarterback in Pittsburgh oh is still on the board. Is he on your radar? Mason Rudolph. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, honestly, Rudolph would be the only other one, and I and I could definitely take him late. Um, really? I think I'll wait. I think I'll just stick with the with the, the, these three. Okay. So, were you watching from the beginning? Pretty much. No, that's that's gonna be a problem for me. What I said about your blackjack skills—I <laughs> was laughing out loud. I was laughing out loud. Instincts. You're prob- You're not the worst player I've ever seen. You're the worst player I've ever seen that I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst player you've ever seen that doesn't think he's the worst player that you've ever seen. So, so sorry. I there feel it, was. Like it, was, it was. It was a huge moment for me. It was very weird because fa- being good at this, just I feel like it's necessary to sort of have a data-driven approach, you know? And so you you find, you find meet somebody through fantasy football that's ex, an expert, and then you sit at the blackjack, blackjack table with him, and he, he's hitting on, you know, 13 against a six or whatever, and you're just like, how could this be the same guy? There's It just, it was cognitive dissonance. Why would somebody who's so good at this be this way about that? 
didn't make sense to me. But it's this, you know, you're, it's this you're young. You're younger than me. Yeah, the same guy who puts a hundred dollars down on middle twelve wins and walks out. You know what I mean? <laughs> walks out after he's convinced to walk out because he wanted to double down first. <laughs> Probably right. There, well, there, there goes Kenny Pickett right in front of me. Sorry, Joey. Didn't want him, but thank you. You know oh, the guy, Adam. The guy behind you, I think, is annoyed right now that he didn't get Wandale. Is he? The guy in front. The guy in front of you got Wandale, Joey. Oh, Joey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I reached out to Gills. Yeah. And I said, just give me one tip that I can sort of maybe you know, like Mel Kiper would do, or somebody at the NFL draft. Like, oh, I, I happen to know that this player is going to go right here to this guy. <laughs> you know, something like that. Like the Chris Berman and the cab driver. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, he he said, uh, well, I, I I like Wandale Robinson a lot, and I'm like, dude, we're not going to be on that late. We're not going to be on so late to get you picking Wandale Robinson. He's like, okay, well, I, I do like him, and then he ended up going fourteen eight, and Gilds went fourteen six. Pick someone else. Gilds could have yeah. had him. You could have had him there. Could have had him. Could have had him. But yeah, this has been super fun. That that quarterback run I was talking about was in the seventh round. I went Goddard. Um, which I absolutely loved, um, and then it went Winston, Goff, Mills. Um, I would I wanted Goff or Mills coming back, so I just decided mm-hmm. to wait. But this has been so much fun. It's you know when you do a million drafts that look like we do, and it's the same stuff to get in here and have to really think and strategize and kind of take what the room gives you, and it's just it's really really cool. Before you head out, we saw you pair uh, George Pickens, who you talked about on our podcast earlier this week. You got to pair him with Mitchell Trubisky. You probably like that, huh? I did, and there was another guy. I'm hoping that makes it back to me. Uh, I was torn between the two, but but that stack was kind of put put me over the top. Okay. Again, best best ball. Love that uh, idea for Pickens, and and like I said, he's kind of buried, and I didn't mean buried like where he's the wide receiver six there, but he's buried in a sense where he was the, he kind he might be the wide receiver three there, and then. He, he could be wide receiver two, but he's definitely wide receiver three. And then you got a tight end who can catch and a running back who can catch and a quarterback who's not great. So generally you like him to be a little bit higher. Oh, so Osborne, he just went to beers. He was the other guy oh. I was torn between. Osborne was probably in a vacuum, a better pick, but this, the stack was kind of what, what I was going for there. Well, we're not going to get the Deontay Johnson trade in Pittsburgh, but no, uh, Claypool, Claypool has been out for a few days now with a shoulder injury and, you know, picking. Yes. Yeah, he's no, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> That's so quick. That is so quick. <laughs> shark bites, guys. Read the shark, shark bites. bites. Shark bites. Read the shark bites. Well, Adam, before we let you go to focus on the rest of your draft, I want you to know that Mitch uh, Carl really likes your beard. Um, oh, positively, you and Cornelius in it. Yeah, Mitch knew me before I could grow any facial hair at all. <laughs> and, 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 and when I had hair on the top of my head. So... <laughs> What a what a change! <laughs> now you got the upside down face. That's right. Thanks, guys. Adam, thanks for jumping in and talking about your draft with us. You'll of course be able to catch plenty more Adam on upcoming <laughs> drafts. He'll be probably on most of them the rest of the way. Although Jared, not on the Friday night one that he set up for you and me uh, before <laughs> making his plans to do something else. Right? <laughs> making fun of the shark bites, making us work it. Until 11 p.m. on a Friday. This guy's unbelievable. <laughs> so we've got probably no more than 15 minutes left on this particular stream. The draft's going to be going on. We're in round 16 right now. They've got nine more after that. Mike, any recent picks that stand out to you? Any team build that stands out to you? Anything that you want to highlight at this stage in the draft? 
I don't really need to dwell on Dwayne, but that's eight running backs now. I mean, that is interesting to talk about. Two quarterbacks, Derrick Henry, five receivers, then seven out of eight running backs with Alberto. Away with him, for the record. So, how does that look to you guys? It feels a little bit overkill with the running backs, like, and and he's obviously fine at quarterback and fine at receiver. I, I guess it's tight end that I'd be a bit worried about. Like, I might have gone with a Hunter Henry or, or a Tyler Higby, you know, in the thirteenth or fourteenth. But it's an interesting build, and I, I like the, I like the play. I think you know the, the players he took fit fit the build well. Yeah, is he I, is he playing against Leone? Who doesn't he only have two, the other end? Not he's not playing against him, but I mean, uh, he's got three, three, Camara. That's yep. right, three. Yeah, I am surprised that he didn't take Tyler Higby at that turn, um, because you know I I wonder if maybe he didn't expect that kind of tight end run following Albert O, or maybe he did, and he just thinks that much of Albert O, and that's going to carry him, but. I would have liked to mix in probably Tyler Higby. You know, if you prefer Brevin Jordan, that's fine too. But it would be Higby for me in that spot where it was Isaiah Spiller and then Ronald Jones, especially with Ronald Jones and those back-to-back picks. I would I would like a bit more at tight end, especially because we don't know that Albert O is going to be a true lead tight end for that Denver offense. There's been indications it might not be. Jared, we talked yeah. to Mike Kliss, who said he doesn't expect him to be a clear lead tight end. So I would like to see a little bit more at that position. Yeah, I do think, I mean, for me, Albert O got a boost with the Patrick injury, I think. Um, and we, we had already heard that Denver was going to use these tight ends quite a bit. And I think, you know, having Patrick out of the picture only only helps Albert O, and it helps Dalsich too. It's a really interesting team to analyze. He's got eight, no, nine picks left, four receivers, four tight ends, a quarterback. Five, he's got five receivers. No, he'll, with the nine picks he has left, oh, he can be done yeah. at running back. He can pick yep. four more receivers, four more tight ends who are all just like, you know, Oconquo and <laughs> Bellinger and these guys. Like, that makes sense. And then maybe a third quarterback, and that's it. So this will be a really interesting team to uh, follow. Mm-hmm. Not on stream, though. <laughs> right. we'll, be, we'll be gone. Not going to follow no, it all the way right. tonight. But we will put the completed draft board up on Twitter tomorrow so people can definitely look back. Uh, and see who everyone picked to fill out their rosters. Jared, any particular build here standing out to you? We also had, so we just talked about waiting on tight end and only having one for Dwayne, but team two, Danny Kelly, I just noticed, has two very late tight ends there. It was for him, <laughs> Johnu Smith and Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I would have flipped the order on those. I, I actually love that Hurst pick. Um, Johnu, I can't do again. I've been burned too many times. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see how he fills that out behind those those top two guys. Man, I, I would have had a hard time. I, I probably would have doubled up on David Njoku, Evan Ingram at that turn that was Cordero Patterson, Albert O. And I, I certainly don't say that to criticize Dwayne because he's been doing this stuff for as long as I have. And I certainly uh, believe in him as a player. But it's interesting to look at the decisions that people that you respect and people that you know know this stuff and are deep in the numbers. It's interesting to me to look at specific decisions like that and, you know, wonder exactly what they think about the specific players involved. Right on, right on. And we'll get Leone here, who's got a lot of lifting to do at running back the rest of his draft. And, you know, you really want to know this. You have Dwayne at 12, round 9 through 16, picking 7. 
And then you have Leone's going to do some version of that, five or so more from 17 to the end. How do they compare with what Dwayne does at the other end? That's really good information. And Mike, I'm, I should be focusing on the 12 spot as much as you are because I'm going to be picking in that 12 spot on next Thursday's draft. We got four more of these leagues to go. We'll be back streaming tomorrow nights. Then we will be back as well for, what is it, Tuesday night? And then Wednesday and Thursday is going to be deep end shows. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Thursday night TV is usually the best, right? So tonight, or is that also something from the... You know, the dark ages where I was. Yeah, I think it used to be back when Seinfeld was on. I don't know how Thursday night TV is anymore. Is TV a thing? Cheers. People just watch what they want to watch whenever they want. Cheers, Night Court, Seinfeld. That's right. There we Brian. go, Leone. Brian, Brian Robinson. There's there's the pick. <laughs> that's what he's going to do, right? Jared, he's going to pick five more in the next yeah. Oh, yeah. four, you know, six rounds, whatever. So yep. uh, He'll be taking the running be... backs. Dwayne will be taking the tight ends and wide receivers. Yeah, really good. Really good experiment. Accidental Interesting experiment. to note here that Taysom Hill is a quarterback in the format. Um, yeah. I'm assuming that's how he's going to be scored and treated for lineup purposes. I, I I, wonder, does that change how much you consider him here, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely hurts his value. But, I mean, in Superflex, he's obviously, you know, he, he, he should be drafted. I don't remember where he went last night. I'm sure he got picked, but. So I'm glad right. to find that out now watching somebody else's <laughs> draft rather than when I'm in the draft room and find his name. <laughs> That's right. Good point. All right. So we are wrapping up the stream for tonight. Like I said, we got four more of these. We've got a room full of experienced hardcore drafters here that know what they're doing. Looking forward to seeing the final builds and probably talking to some of these folks about the specific decisions that they made. Of course, you can check our Twitter feed. You can see the Twitter handles for everybody involved. If you want to reach out individually and talk to them about the draft decisions that they made. If you go over to DraftSharks.com, become a DS insider. You can get that draft war room that Mike was talking about earlier that Adam is using in his draft that Joey Brown's probably using in his draft to snipe all those picks from Adam along the way. We are keeping our rankings updated there with all the news, with all the injuries that Fortunately, haven't hit yet, but we know they're coming. So we're keeping an eye on all of it, trying to keep everything up to date, updating those shark bites every day, whether Adam's reading them or not. Head over to DraftSharks.com. You can find all the podcasts there. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get those. So for Jared Smola, for Mike Shope, for the entire DraftSharks crew, and for our crew of drafters tonight, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 